Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. We're super excited to share our guest with you. Our guest is Emily Pan. She's the creator and founder of an augmented reality experience, Aroma Haven Mindful Ambiance, or AMA. Emily graduated from Boston University. She also graduated from Columbia University with her master's in tech management. She's fantastic to listen to. We loved hearing about her transition to finding out her own ways in life to thrive with wellness and spirituality. She tells us a great story about how that came to be and how she found her calling. Emily is now working on AMA, a platform providing augmented reality experiences and paired with scent and music for anxiety-ridden hospital waiting rooms and wellness centers. It's a fantastic resource and we can't wait to share it with you. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner, no. Eddie Gagne! And in the opposite corner, Kristen Gagne! This is What's Special About Special. Uh, I wanted to say that. Well, hello there. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> oh Eddie, I don't want to be here all night. Welcome and thank you for joining us. My name's Eddie Gagnon. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Kristen. Your voice. <laughs> hey, listeners. Instacart is our favorite new shopping tool. Instacart. With Instacart, groceries are delivered in as little as one hour. One hour. They even have multiple stores available, so you can shop all your favorites on one single order. All your favorites. They have the products you love from your local stores. Local stores? Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Saving money. And they'll pick the freshest produce and keep all your eggs safe, too. Fucking fresh. Listeners, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35 just by following the link in our show notes. That'll let Instacart know that we sent you and you get to help support our show. Instacart. All right, folks. Welcome to the show, Emily Pan. Emily Pan is the founder and CEO of AMA. Welcome to our show, Emily. Thank you. Emily, did we pronounce your last name right? Yes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, Just I, I know. I know that I <laughs> do job. do that a lot, but I was figuring out. I can't mess that one up. You never know. <laughs> we always mess up people's names. Welcome to the show, Emily. I'm super pumped to have you. I've been like waiting since like the day I met you, but we didn't really meet in person, but... I got connected with you. I really was like, okay, this person's going to have to be on the podcast in one way or another. So I'm real excited that you're starting this endeavor and you get to be a guest on the show. Yeah, I'm so thankful that we had the crowdfunding to talk about and bring us together and seeing that you successfully launched your crowdfunding gave me a lot of hope for my crowdfunding. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's just kick it off right from the start. Tell us a little bit about your personal side. Tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Stuff like that. Your backstory. Yeah. So I was born in Taiwan and I came to the States when I was 15 months old on Thanksgiving Day. And my parents thought we were only going to stay for two years and we eventually stayed for the rest of our life. And we um, ended up going to live in California, moved to the East Coast 
went back to California and went back to New Jersey, moved to Boston. Then I went to um, Shanghai for a little bit, then went back to Boston. <laughs> Lots of moving. So um, ultimately, I'm based in New York right now, but we're recording as I'm in Taiwan for time being. So what brought your family to the States? Like you said, it was only supposed to be for two years. So what was, you know, what was their motivation to come into the States? So my dad's job had um, hired him to come to the States and then was moving him from the West Coast, to East Coast the, for his work. So we followed along. Um, Got it. And yeah, my upbringing was probably involved with a lot of Montessori school. Then I went to a Jewish community center. It was like a complete crisis of identity. Sounds like our kids. <laughs> yeah. And then I went into public school after that, went to a fine arts school for visual and performing arts. And there we were really taught to be well-rounded and making sure that we knew how to type properly. We knew how to have our dance classes and spent a lot of time in the libraries as well. Sounds like you had a really like well-rounded education. You got to see all sides of things. Yeah. And I definitely think living on the West coast and East coast makes you branch out too, because on the East coast you have Broadway shows and different kinds of theatrics. And on the West coast, it's also like the Hollywood life or the entertainment world. So I got to see what fit for me most yeah. in those experiences. And that one year abroad in Shanghai completely blew my mind away because I wanted to see if I could acclimate in a culture that I wasn't raised in and um, learn if I could work there long term. And how you were there for a year, you said? Yeah. And I was there for an internship and I was learning Mandarin and taking business classes and trying to get my foot into a culture that just opened up from um, to the world, I would say, about yeah. like 30 years ago. That's kind of I mean, it, it must it's impressive. It must have been a lot of hard work. I mean, to learn a new language as well as a new, you know, as well as an occupation and all of that. That's a lot to take on in a country that you're not familiar with. Right. And you really become the environment that you stay in sometimes. Yeah. And they're very, they, at that time, um, people were very aggressive with taxis because there were no Ubers or none of that electronic system. And so I just remember everyone was always like charging and trying to cut each other off when there wasn't an actual line for <laughs> a taxi, like similar to New York. New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty Prepped you for life in the city. Yeah. So what's connected you to the disabilities special needs community? How'd you get connected into that? Mm, so many different types of pockets of moments. The biggest one is probably when I was in Brazil. And I shared this with you when we first spoke that I was in this period of deciding whether or not to go back to grad school. And I remember going into the Museum of Tomorrow's exhibit called um, some sort of a special exhibit for special needs. And there was 
all of these innovative inventions that people have made to really make a difference in people's lives. And that's when I was really turned on into the world of making sensory technology for people that really had a huge impact. And what I saw was doctors making fish scraps for victims of um, burn victims. And I saw people making solar lights in their towns in Brazil where they became like the Thomas Edison of the town because they didn't have solar lights and having installed solar lights changed these people's lives of how they worked, how they slept, how they lived. And, um, it really brought me to a place of just crying like I was watching Titanic (laughs) and seeing all of these influential changes that were happening in the world and I was just thinking about I'm an adult and finding about this now how can we instill it into children's lives earlier and having them see the impact that they can make in this world too well what an inspiration too to see a community a country embracing technology and using it in an innovative way like that Right, exactly. And a bunch of people that came together with all these very neat projects. And then I went to um, Taiwan often and I would see the compassion that they have here. For instance, the people with um, visual impairments, they would get support by the front desk at a subway stop and they press a button and an assistant actually comes and walks them to the subway stop and when they get to the door they sit them down and at the stop that they're supposed to get off another assistant will be there waiting to pick the visually impaired person up and walk them to the gate so that they can swipe out and I also saw that with public transportation they would walk them onto the um, subway stops like the amount of people that I see who are independent yeah on these rides it's just incredible and so when I got back to New York I was thinking about this app called City Mapper which is a fantastic app it, and they have global um, transportation yeah. directions yeah we've used it and in Boston for the transit isn't it cute? It has a little Red Sox hat on. Yeah, it's awesome. Does it? No? <laughs> yeah, it does. The New York Yankees one. Oh, I might get New York and But it's just so, it, it's adorable, right? There's um, a section that says teleportation. Like they're, they're just a funny, they're a funny group. And I just emailed them and I said to them, look, can you add a disability section uh, for the moms who have strollers and are looking for the escalators and elevators or people who are coming out of the airport and they want to jump back on and fly and get home, but they have two big suitcases. Like, can you help us out? And especially those who have disabilities, like how can you make your app more accessible? And they listened by just the power of one email and they upgraded their beta system for um, New York, I believe, or DC area. And they were testing it out. And I think that is just one small step that people can take to really start thinking about inclusive designs for 
different products and services. Oh, 100%. I can't tell you how many times, like when Annabella was a baby, we went to Boston a couple years in a row with like our whole family. And so she was just in a stroller. And this was before we had Eddie. And we couldn't even find a restroom that would had a changing table. I mean, we yeah. probably went to like four or five different businesses just looking for a restroom with a changing table. And we've said this, like we take Eddie to Boston for certain different things and we think about walking around for the day. And then I'm like, well, we couldn't find a restroom with a changing table. What are the odds we'll find a accessible place that a wheelchair and it's not very wheelchair friendly in Boston because a lot of the the stores and restaurants and buildings are all historic. So they're kind of grandfathered in and they don't have to follow ADA. And it just makes it really difficult. Everything's cobblestone. And I obviously don't want to change the landscape of the city. It's beautiful, but a little bit more accessibility as far as even bathrooms. I and mean, when you're walking and spending a day as a tourist in a city, it's such a huge thing to know that there's an accessible area somewhere. Mm. So Eddie, how many times have you seen the koala care changing diaper in the men's room? In the men's room, <laughs> in the men's like room. that's that's another you know thing that I was going to bring up is you never see it in the dudes like in the men's room. Yeah, it is kind of a thing where I mean, occasionally I'll see it, but it's it's very few and far between when you think about like mostly every woman's room mm -hmm. in those public places have one that's like provided. But yeah, well, and that's insane. the tough thing, like especially now that Eddie's a little older, he'll say like, I, I usually will take him into the bathroom. It's just, a, it's always a larger space. It's just got, you know, there's a trash barrel in the stall if we needed it to throw something, you know, if we wanted to throw a catheter away or a diaper yeah. so he doesn't have to walk, you know, we don't have to walk through other people that will see that. And that's not, ha that's not available in the men's room. So he comes in with me and then he's old enough now where he's like, I don't want to go in the girl's room. Like I'm a boy. I mean, most boys his age are independently going into the bathroom. They're not going in with their mom. And so I totally get his like apprehension, but it's just not accessible the same way in the men's room that it is in the women's room. Right. Yeah, definitely. And being in Taiwan right now, I've been seeing all of the changes that they have here for parents with young children. For instance, there are restaurants that have catered to parents with young children or strollers. And before you sit down, you've had a reservation. They set your table up with children's plates. Oh, wow. And a menu with crayons. And there's a little play section for these kids. Um, in this particular restaurant, I was just amazed because we were meeting someone with a newborn. And it, it just fit for the family to be able to go out to dine. Then a lot of times in restrooms, even in public settings, there are little areas where there are um, mini toilets for young children. Oh, that's adorable. In, yeah. In the the wheelchair accessible bathrooms or the mother like family bathrooms yep. there's always a tiny toilet and there's a tiny sink so oh. you can teach your children the hygiene of yeah that, rather yeah. than pick them up and try to wash them in the adult well you know and i think it's yeah. amazing like i think the best part of that is the fact that i don't think people realize or patrons realize that if you don't have children it's so easy to go, oh, those kids are acting up or those kids are rowdy or whatever. But when kids go to an, a restaurant with adults, there's nothing there 
that's on their level to keep them occupied, to keep them. And how great if there's something keeping them occupied, now parents can relax. So they're not maybe reacting the same way. They're not short with their children. Children are occupied. They're not loud. They're not rowdy because they're, you know, in their own little space with all their own little things. I mean, uh, here in America, you just get a package of crayons and a piece of paper that is just not like little Eddie is not interested in coloring ever. Never. And so, like, we'll bring the iPad and we get these looks like, how dare you have an electronic device at dinner? And I'm like, well, it's that or he's jumping on the chairs because he can't keep his body still because he's a little boy who shouldn't keep his body still. Mm. So I love the yeah. idea of like a play place inside of a restaurant and something for them to do. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And all the other kids gather around in that area. And it was one of the first times I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. And just because they had that sort of system set up, it made me want to support them and go back, even though I don't have kids. Yeah. I, yeah, I just love the compassion that they've thought through. And in the city, anywhere you walk, there's a mix of forestry and city life they've done that very intentionally and they've put mantras all around the city so that you can still get connected to inner wisdom yeah <laughs> to, for lack of a better word and with the construction sites outside of each construction site they have um flower plants what what is that called you know like the wall oh, like where... the planters like the little flower boxes yes. yeah So they, it's a wall of planters that they put up and they always make sure to either do that or draw on like lilies or flowers on the walls. And if we think about what we see in city life, it's usually this like dark blue metal Mm -hmm. rotted gate with do not enter. Like the thought that if we can make intentional changes in subconscious ways really changes me as a business person as well as a friend as like you know a family member who when we're thinking about designing things how can we make sure that we create something with intention and we think about how we had air conditioners and heaters come into our lives. And before that, people had to make sure that their body temperatures were regulated. Right. And often enough, that would have some sort of an impact of how long people can stay in a certain area to do certain work. And as people transitioned into industrialized periods, we were able to start working in offices more. Not to say like the women still deal no. with yeah, I know the temperature being quite low, <laughs> in the, but there's a step up about thinking of how do we create optimal temperature for humans to progress in optimal levels. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, even subconsciously, it's created a way to say, you know, well, now people can work 9, 10, 11, 12 hour days. Like you're saying, because it the environment they're suits that they're comfortable. Hey, and you see that right now with the transition of working at home, where a lot of you know a lot of employers are saying or expecting their employees to just work whenever eight o'clock at night, six o'clock in the morning, just answer the phone or answer or do something because it's accessible. Their work is right there in front of them, but 
it, and I think even employees have a tendency to like switch that. I've done it myself where I, I don't shut down at five o'clock or I don't shut, you know, I don't, tur- I, I'll shut down later. I keep checking my email instead of being intentional and saying, okay, my workday is done. Let me reset my brain for the rest of my life, you know, for everything else going on in my world, my husband, my children. So I think, you know, we see that shift here too, where (laughs) we see that shift here too, where, you know, something's changed to make things more accessible, but at the same time, it's made us be as it's made us less aware of what's going on in our surroundings. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And I think that really made me think about where I was in my life because I was in a corporate world with the corporate benefits and you think about what else you want to do to contribute in this lifetime and what to share with people and just having the exposure of going into a school that I could study sensory technology design really made all the difference in the world. And I believe I shared with you as well, Kristen, that I was in this standstill of do I go back to get my PhD and specialize in this field? Do I follow my intuition more or do I um, go work for the visually impaired because I'm interested in creating technology or wearable technology for Uh the disability community. And I remember reading this book called the light between us. And she was saying that you can create signs with the universe. And I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. So I wrote it down. One, if I'm supposed to listen to my intuition, show me meteors Two, if I'm supposed to be working with IBM Watson, show me Red Hats because they just acquired a company called Red Hat. And three, if I'm supposed to be working with the blind, show me a blind person and I will help them get seated as a thank you universe for showing me these signs. And crazy enough, I wrote that down and I wrote it on the plane coming back from Florida. And I was woken up by the mom and daughter next to me who bickered throughout the entire flight. I was like, okay, I'm just practicing my Zen after a vacation. And and they were just, for lack of a better word, complaining about everything wrong in their life. And I was just like, oh, law of attraction. Like if that's what you want to bring in. Yeah. And I was just thinking, um, I just looked to my right and I saw this dad walking a little toddler and he had a onesie with a bunch of meteors on it. And I was like, whoa, that was really quick. (laughs) And then I got off the flight and I was saying, wow, I really wish that um, I didn't have to go pick up my luggage because they made me check in my carry on. And I was, again, post-vacation, practicing my Zen. I was like, I'm going to go pick it up. And I'm going down the escalators, and I see an empty row of luggage belts, apart from three men who stood in front of me with red hats on, and they were monks. And I was just, like, blown away that I saw that. And I, again, did not believe that the universe was like, you have a sense of humor. You're playing tricks on me. (laughs) And I get my luggage and I'm saying, okay, if I'm supposed to be seeing these signs, you're going to show me more red hats and you're going to have me get to the car by 11, 11. 
And at that time, um, my mom was in town, so she was able to pick me up and drive me back to my apartment. And when I got to the car, I looked at my cell phone and it turned 1111. And I was just like, mom, you can't believe what just happened on this plane ride. Everything is so serendipitous right now. And we got in the car. She's like, okay, let's look for red hats. And literally as soon as we said it, we turned a corner and we saw someone with another red hat on. And I was just like, haha, this is just not real. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then at night when I was about to go to bed, my Chromecast stick has these screensavers that come on and these screensavers constantly change. But this screensaver was of meteors again. And it showed up a second time that same evening. And I normally don't see the same screensaver. Right. Twice in a row in like two hours. They don't really do that. And I believe it was the next day I was riding the subway uptown to class at Columbia. And we have about like a hundred streets to go up. So it was quite a long ride. And I was sitting in the subway and all of a sudden a visually impaired man walks in and he looked like a veteran because he had his eyes sewn shut. And it freaked me out a bit because I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm seeing my third sign and now I have to help him, but I'm scared of him. (laughs) Why am I scared of him? Yeah. And then we get stuck underground for five minutes stalling and I helped him sit down and find a seat. And then I was just praying, like, I hope he doesn't get off my stop because I can't help him anymore. Like, I got to go. And I got off that train thinking, wow, universe, what have you done? Like, you gave me all three of my sons. What am I supposed to do now? Yeah. And I went right upstairs and I went to this professor who has been tenured since her 20s. Uh, I mean, she's been at Columbia since her 20s and she is visually impaired and is one of the superstars at the business school. And I was just wondering what type of mindset would take someone to that point in their life of having a MacArthur Foundation uh, backing them up for her her research, which is quite hard to get. And I couldn't believe that she had the best sense of humor, too. Like I walked into her office and she was saying, don't you just love my desk and the way it looks like she was pretending, (laughs) you know, not pretending, but like she she had great self-deprecation. Yeah. And um, she was like, "Okay, let's see how we can get involved. But there was so many moments of my mindset of doubting myself to to get myself to that door to just introduce myself to her yeah and feeling deserving um so rather long but I ended up booking a flight to Stockholm and finding out like how to use my miles how I emailed them to see I'm a student I love to see if there's a discount for a ticket and they helped me to go to this $3,600 conference. Wow. And it was all of a worldwide disability conference. And I said, if I can't figure out what I want by just going here and putting myself in more exposure, then I would regret it. Yeah. And when I got there, they said to me, "Um, you will not have heard our keynote speaker. And 
the beautiful thing is that right when you hear her talk, you will never forget who she is. And she went up on the stage and she started to talk about her journey as a visually impaired person in designing technology at IBM and the patents that she's done and this AI luggage that she's made for those with visual impairments and the research that she started in this world. And I was so moved. Like I had a physical feeling of this is it this is more of the field and the sphere that I wanted to work in yeah and the last day of the conference I happened to be seated next to her there were maybe 2,000 people at this conference and there was one empty seat and she was there with her translator and when I sat down we just started to talk and I shared my interests I shared my background and then she offered me a job of someone that I was looking for who would give me access to seeing if I want PhD research, if I wanted to work with a blind person and if I wanted to work with IBM and I got all three in one person and just sharing this again, brings chills down my body because it's one of those pinch me moments that you would have never expected. And I ended up spending time with her at Carnegie Mellon working on IBM project, Mitsubishi, Shibuzu. Um, She was Japanese, so she had a lot of her grants come in from some of these corporations. And people loved her so much that they gave the grants individually to her, not to IBM. So then she had the, like, she could do what she wanted with that. Creative freedom. Well, it seems like the unit, like, you know, when you say, like, you get what you you get what you're putting into the universe. You know, you, you put a call into the universe and you had an open mind and you were just really, I feel like aware and ready and willing to take what the universe had for you. And it looks like, you know, it rewarded you for that. You know what I mean? I feel like we say this a lot, me and Eddie, like we'll say, we've said it even in our first podcast back this season, like we are going to make goals and intentions. We're not going to set resolutions. It's going to be goals and intentions for what we want. And we, and we don't just say one day we're going to do something. It's like by this date, we're going to make sure this happens. And it hasn't failed us yet. And I think it's because 90% of the time, (laughs) but if it has, it's, if it's failed, it's because it just wasn't the right fit for us. And then we end up finding something that works even better. You know, that I just feel like because we try to be positive in the situation and look at the the way something can happen and say, it's going to happen. I'm going to make this happen. I just need to figure out the steps to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in the community where you get all these setbacks and challenges of mental health or physical health, it's very hard to have those messagings all the time. Right. Or you might have shame about thinking, oh, I'm having a hard day. Not only do these circumstances teach the people that go through the experience, but those that the loved ones that surround them too, of how to show up for themselves with love. Yes, Um, for sure. So now all of this work you've done in tech, as well as in the community. And, you know, I feel like all of that together is that kind of what created or it got you to AMA. Yes, because I was in this personal development class 
around the same time where I'm like, where am I going with my life? <laughs> and I feel like I say that every like six months. You do. <laughs> yeah. you do. Well, then we got to reevaluate. I, and yeah, I would love to um, No, before I share mine, but I would love to hear what your intentions and goals were set for this year. So, oh, <laughs> so our biggest goal, a lot of them were career oriented. Um, we, Eddie started a new business at the middle of 2020. Congrats. I should, I should, I say Eddie, <laughs> I, we, we started a business, but it's really Eddie. Um, and so a lot of our goals and intentions for this year are based around growing that business and how that can help our family and get us into a position that's, you know, just where we want to be. Um, I think we've had goals and intentions also around our marriage and how we communicate and things like that, because, you know, if she could just stop hitting me, it'd be great. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Out of all the things you could have said for a joke, that was like terrible. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, if I would hit you now, if we weren't recording, no kidding. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, as a marriage, I think that it's important for everyone to kind of reevaluate every once in a while and say, okay, where are we? Where do we need to work on? Where do we need to be? I mean, we've, I, I know someone um, who we met actually through our disabilities community, Karen. It was so oh amazing. And she, I hope she was listening, but she once said to uh, me, I, she said to me, oh, I get, I think it was like every five years, she every said, me and my husband get remarried. remarried. Yeah. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she said, we don't just renew our vows. We literally make a commitment to each other every five years. And we, and we've said to each other, if that day comes and you're, like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. Or then it's, there's no questions asked. It's just, okay, we're done now. We go our separate ways. We go our separate ways. And she said, but you have to come to the table with new intentions for our marriage and new goal. And like what you're going to work on in yourself that didn't work for the past five years and what I'm, and what you'd like to see for me. And they, they say those like, like vows and they vow to each other. Okay. Now this year, you know, in these next five years, I'm going to work on this. And, and I, promise this to you. And I promise this to you. And I was like, that's so inspirational. And it's probably why their marriage works so well. Cause they continuously work at their marriage and they're intentional about what choices they're making. And so we've tried to do that this year. That's kind of some of our goals is to really like work on some things that we know haven't been working in the past and not c- create cycles and keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. what she said (laughs) i agree (laughs) so that's my that's part of my you know commitment right there is just agreeing (laughs) i like this that's that's our new way of doing things i am still working on it i'm doing my best over here yeah i think it's so important of what you shared because apart from the dynamic of taking care of children taking care of children with disability taking care of your own health and the issues that may come up with caregiving, um, how can you tend to your love and your career as well and different parts that make you who you are um, as a person, as a mother, as a wife? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, another thing we had mentioned in our first episode back was that, you know, we're well aware. And I think that's what really gave us an idea to be like, okay, we need to be more conscious of our communication is because when we, 
you know, this past year, there's been so many ups and downs and, and difficult times. And we realize that when things are quiet and calm, we don't do well together. <laughs> like we just are, our marriage isn't great, but when there's chaos and when there's problems or if there's, you know, something going on with one of the kids or even in the world or in our careers, all of a sudden we band together and we're yeah. like superhero Eddie and Kristen. And we do wow. our marriage. Yeah. We're a war couple. That's what we say. Like yeah. we do great in war and we don't do well in peace. Yeah, in peacetime. No, <laughs> we, we're looking for somebody to fight. We're looking for something to fight and we fight well together. But when there's no one to fight as a common ground, then we fight each other. Like exactly. it's just how it works. That's how you get better. <laughs> so we're working on not fighting each other and finding some causes to fight. So we're not fighting each other. Yeah. If we share an enemy, we gang up on that person <laughs> or that thing. So that's yeah. been our, our goal. So yeah, that's our, those are so our. So that's intentions. how special about special was born. I just really loved when I first talked to you about it, that it was something that you did with your husband. Yeah. You know, it's oh, I was never originally part of the plan. She was doing everything she could to make sure that I did it originally. The, right. not want she, him a part she was of it like, I got to find another co-host, another mom, um, somebody who can relate to all of our stuff. And I was like, but that's the beautiful thing is like me being outside the box. Like, I feel like that adds a great element, like opposites attract. You know, and you have this, these That's not what two you said. dynamics. Okay. Well, stop. I said it was going to be boring. I was like, you guys are going to be boring. You need somebody funny. That's not what you said. What you said was, I'll be the good, the face and the humor and you can be everything else. And I was like, you're not that funny. Yeah. Well, then no you made, she made you. me edit too. So now I edit as well. No one can see you. No one can see that face. So and cool. you're not as funny as you think you are. But they hear my voice. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I know. So I, tell yeah. us what AMA stands for, because I don't think we got into that a little bit. And I think, it, you know. It, yeah. So AMA stands for Aroma Haven Mindful Ambiance. And it's also named after my AMA, my grandmother. And just... Thinking about what got me started in this was really um, seeing how much time my parents spent at hospitals caregiving. It was around the same year that my grandfather got dementia. My grandmother broke her hip and my mom's mom ended up with cancer and oh going through her treatments. And my mom's mom is the one that I call Amma. And she passed away at 74, um, which is quite young for a grandmother, yeah. I'd say. And she was a beautiful woman with such grace. Um, she taught so much forgiveness. She taught so much about inner peace and she was someone that went through a lot in her life and went through the decades of women being married for worth right and just things that we can't believe that it was just a couple years ago yeah these um, societal norms were happening and on top of that there was pressure in the Asian culture of birthing male children right. to pass on whatever generations of wealth that they've had or the name to carry the name. And um, I was feeling really lonely because 
my parents were trying to not feel lonely either and survive. And my mom was living in the hospital often enough. So I thought, who is caregiving the caregivers and what can we do to bring love and joy and levity and connection to those in um, the waiting rooms at the hospitals. And I had this background with a flavors and fragrance house that I worked with for five years. And I really wanted to do something with sensory impact. Um, so I started to create AMA because I wanted an innovative way for people to be enjoying their time at these hospitals. So we create sensory and playfulness um, in these waiting rooms through augmented reality experiences paired with scent and music. Well, scent is such a big thing nowadays, especially like, you know, essential oils and things like that. I mean, we're finding and you're seeing it everywhere that not only is it being utilized as scent, but essential oils are being utilized on, you know, your skin or, you know, different ways that you can ingest them and things like that. Because, you know, especially when they're quality you're finding it's really, it really is making a calming difference or an energetic difference, or, you know, it can, scent can create moods. And it's just such a, it's something that you think like, why didn't someone think about this sooner? (laughs) You know, even in a different sense, like, I don't think you ever hear about, you go into a doctor's office or you go into a waiting room and there's a scent or essential oils to help address the energy or the anxiety in the room. And it's such an important thing. I mean, I say it all the time to Eddie between my own health issues and our, you know, our son's health issues and all the amount of appointments that it's so easy to get burnout or PTSD. It causes you anxiety because you're thinking, okay, now I have to go in again and I have to explain his whole medical history. And you're really reliving any trauma you might have at that point. And something like this, a device or, or, you know, how you're creating this is such an important way to help combat that feeling. I just can't wait for something for this to come out because it's like so exciting to see. Right. To see that. Well, when you yeah. were, Kristen was explaining it to me, I was thinking the same thing that you'd probably be like the perfect candidate <laughs> for would. something like that. But it is a constant issue, you know, with Kristen when it comes to those doctor appointments or just leading up to these appointments with leading these specialists. To, for sure, yeah, yeah. Right. It's the, the time where you're just waiting. There hasn't been, you know, you haven't even seen the person, you don't know what's going to be said. But it's just that anticipation that just causes this heightened uh, anxiety, which is insane. And she'll just have panic attacks and stuff. So I'm very interested to see how this would be developed because she you got great uh, candidate. <laughs> so how do yeah. you see it being used? I know it's kind of still in the beginning stages, but how do you how do you see it being used? Yeah, so we're thinking about if people can get the essential oil through like a vending machine concept. And basically the vending machine will be unlocked through your personalized devices and you'll be able to access different categories of stories that come up with people that have overcome setbacks and challenges. So let's say we have a story about a cancer survivor who um, becomes a dentist afterwards and she did not let her disease um, stop her from 
achieving any of the dreams that she wanted to achieve. And while I know that not everybody can get to that point of having maybe what we call a second chance or a blessing of really thinking intentionally of how we want to live our lives. Um, We want to share those stories. So when you're sitting there and you feel so alone, you have some expansion Mm -hmm. for you to think about this can happen for me too. Um, Even those who have gone through struggles and came to the office or the healthcare facilities over and over again there's something to look forward to it's how I set up my mindset and um, attitude and for every story that we create we're going to give back to the community of whichever um, cause that they're a part of so let's say we're talking about a story of a woman who has um eating disorders and overcame that, then we'll donate to a nonprofit that supports women who love their body image. Oh, that's awesome. So with that being said, like who would you be, are you selling these to healthcare facilities, to private practices? What are your, what are your plans with something like that? Yeah, we are currently um, selling to the private facilities and the hospital providers and the clinician's office. And we're hoping that the users will be those that are coming through the office Mm -hmm. and they'll be interested in the sense that we create as well. And eventually when we get to a point where we are able to do this, we'll sell the sense that come out of the vending machines in larger batches. Oh, I think that's so cool. I mean, I think that even on a secondary level, you know, it's a mind heals the body. If your mind is in the right mindset, it's, I mean, it's proven that like your body will heal differently versus if you're in a negative mindset, your body doesn't heal as well. So I think even just setting that right from the start in the waiting room, and then they're going to see the doctor, they might express things different. They might communicate different to the physician, you know, and then maybe they're more open to feedback from a physician and they're hearing things differently than if you're walking in with anxiety or, or negativity, you, you might miss information or you're not communicating mm-hmm. everything because you're just kind yeah. of all over the place in and, your head, in your yep. head. Exactly. Too nervous. Yep. So, um, I think, you know, there's on top of just, the experience, there's a secondary level of taking care of someone's health in a different way and and being more, like you said, intentional about it. Right. And it's almost like onboarding someone into a new job. You want to take care of them the first 90 days. So we're trying to help hospitals improve patient satisfaction rates too. And relate to that one location as a competitive advantage of, wow, I want to go back to that hospital because I feel like I'm in good hands with these people from when I step in. And when we walk in these days, we're all so familiar with how the news could be running and you're like, I really don't want to be watching this right now. Sometimes if you're lucky, the volume is muted. If there isn't a TV screen, there's like old crumply newspapers or magazines. The level of um, design that they create are not to, is not to serve those who are coming to a spa. Yeah. Really? Um, Well, I I think I meant, 
Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I mentioned even... the last time we talked that it because it was so recent that I was taking Eddie to physical therapy and it's always a little bit anxiety ridden for me because it's harder for him to focus there and everything's all over the place. And we were sitting in the waiting room, which also with COVID, there's another level of anxiety, right? Because you have to sit in a certain way and you have to get your temperature taken and you're, you have to be used all the sanitizer. And it's just like so anxiety ridden when you have a nine year old with you. And I'm sitting with him on my lap in a chair because there's only one chair per, in each section and I look up and the TV's on with the volume and they're playing the Capitol the riots at the Capitol oh and it was just so like I mean literally like almost had tears in my eyes because you're watching this thing go down and all the, the news is running and there's just it, the energy in the room you could feel every you could just feel everybody's energy in the room feeling more heightened and that's just not the way you want to walk into an appointment yeah you want to walk in yeah. with a positive, not like a dread feeling. <laughs> and so, right. you know, it sounds, you know, I think that's a good point. You see a newspaper sitting there and it's got, you know, negative connotation or whatever, or, or, you know, even a magazine that's just like one of those, you know, celebrity gossip magazines and Brad Pitt's an alien. <laughs> he is. That was why he's so cute. <laughs> that's what the Inquirer was saying. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to kind of change the design of everything and it can only benefit the providers. Right. And how can we get more conscious of what we put into our subconscious? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, we have to look and ask ourselves why we aren't paying attention to some of these design elements and we have to really be considerate about how to lower these levels of anxiety because we weren't prepared for when COVID started and we don't really have a clear idea of when it will end yet. So how can we help hospitals today and clinical offices to prepare to reintegrate people back into the medical systems. Yeah. Because there's such high levels of anxiety right now of just going to the doctor, especially if you're older and you don't want to catch this. Mm -hmm. Like I've had two friends, grandfathers passed from COVID and the level of anxiety now for going to the doctors is much higher than we've ever expected. And even for me going on to a 15 hour plane ride and knowing that I would be quarantining in a country that had under 800 cases and seven deaths, I still was having panic attacks yeah. for like the first two hours I was trying to calm down and I put essential oil on like the lavender and it helped extremely. And I just think that the mindset that you can spiral into a very dark place, especially when you're talking about our personal health, we're talking about our personal health matters or our loved ones. Um, it could really take a toll on us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's not, I don't think that there's a, I think now is the time and there isn't a better time to have something like this enter into our, our into our healthcare system, into our providers, because like you said, there's so much anxiety around. I mean, emergency rooms right now are having like record lows of people coming in for anything other than COVID. 
because they're afraid to go to the emergency room. But yeah. that's also going to cause somebody who should be going to the emergency room not to go because of this of this fear that's going on. And so at some point, there is going to have to be a way to kind of ease back in and, and let people know that something's safe and comfortable and this is a good environment. And so it's a perfect time to kind of get these providers on board to say our space is a safe space. You know, so know, know that we're a safe space. Please come here. I think that's a great yeah. idea. And we don't have to go into details about all of the complications that happen within the U.S. medical system. Right. Because we're also familiar with some of the setbacks and challenges, especially if you're a foreigner and you're coming to this country right. as well. Um, and we just want to make sure that we have something that keeps people at bay right when they step into the doctor's office. And I understand some offices are lucky enough to have beautiful ambiance, but what if we could take it a step further and bring more beauty to those where outside we may look all fine, but on the inside we might be panicking or anxious about whatever visits to come and how can we just design these products to bring this ambiance to them on a personalized level and that's really how ama was born i mean it's amazing and everyone should be supporting it so tell us i mean obviously me and eddie know how crowdfunding works because we've been a part of it tell us um how you're you're working with iphone women right just the yes. same crowdfunding site we worked with and they're amazing. They give you all of the tools that you, you worked need. with. I can't, I'm Eddie, I worked with, <laughs> but how is your crowdfunding working? What are some of the rewards? If somebody does donate, where's the money going and how is it working? All of that. Tell us how your crowdfunding is kind of set up. Yeah. So it's such a blessing because we found different elements to fund our business, which are from grants and from the crowdfunding right now. And we basically have made sure to um, push it out where with our families and friends right now. And we have over $4,000 and we would love to keep going because we'll be able to expand on our beta testing and our product development. And with that amount, we have been able to um, start with the engineers to build out the prototypes already. And they've been testing it out and having just that relief of, okay, I have some kind of funding for them to be paid for and for them to do a great job at designing a product that people will love and would want to buy. And some of the cool rewards that we have are all wellness related or self-care related. There are um, self-care junkie kits. There are nutritional coaching that, and yoga classes. There is the class by Taryn Toomey, a workout class that they've donated where you get a month free of working out. Wow. And then there are books, signed books by authors from Brave Not Perfect with Reshma Sojani, with The Light Between Us and signs from Laura Lynn Jackson and the woman that I spoke of who um, taught the universe signs. Yep. And the third book is um, about Reiki. So there is a healer who 
just introduces Reiki on a very basic level for people who are interested. And the fun fact about Reiki is that Dr. Oz, his wife is a master Reiki healer. So on some form of a level, there are more and more shares out there in the world where, um, energetics and different kinds of homeopathics pair really well with the scientific um, measures that we take and get prescribed um, all because a lot of the ailments come from mindset. Yeah. And we created um, these really fun astrologer readings and the systematic kinesiology a sessions where they just help you go into your subconscious and work things out. And these people have all been so kind to donate a lot of their products and items on. We've had a lot of woman owned businesses as well who have donated even in this time yeah. of, um, and this year that we've had, you just really realize how much people want to support this cause. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, one of them is a spa gift card, $150 spa gift card that you can order stuff on their online shop or go in person for a massage. And another is just these beautiful um, crystals and the scents that people have put together to really to really um, care and love the community and share more beauty and wealth. I mean, and it's awesome because a lot of these rewards, you don't have to be like, because I know some are like New York City specific, but they're not all. So anyone can donate and find a reward that probably that speaks to them or that would work best for them. Um, which is great because I think that a lot of times there's crowdfunding and there's like one or two rewards and then you're not and people want to donate. I mean, yeah, in in an ideal world, you want people to just donate. But having a reward really encourages people to understand that, like, you're not in it just to to get something out of it. You're in it to also give something, um, which I think is awesome. Right. And the amount of thought we put into our rewards is the amount of thought we put into the stories that we'll bring on the platform for AMA. And we've even partnered with Lauren from Sweet Lauren's Cookies, where she herself was um, debilitating and battling her health. And she had to quarantine herself for a year while everyone was going off to college when she was spending that time at home, she started to try to figure out how to make a gluten-free cookie before gluten-free was ever a thing. And she today is a survivor and she has created the number one cookie in retail in the United States. So she's offered to also share her cookies with the community on my crowdfunding platform as well. And they're gluten-free. Sorry that they are gluten-free. <laughs> yes, they are gluten-free. And she also partnered with us so that if people fill out a survey and share with us, like, what kind of sense would you like to use? What would, what kind of elements are we not thinking about that we should be considering that you are eligible to win a box full of gluten-free cookies that she'll send to your house. That's like my dream. 
<laughs> Anytime I can get a gluten free sweet, I am happy. So, what's that like a survey a day we can fill out? Is there a limit? Um, when can we start those surveys? Yeah. Kristen can fill it out. You can fill it out. The dog, unfortunately, cannot fill it out. <laughs> we have two kids. Do they count? So, that's four, no. right? Yes, yes, They're yes. Ridiculous. See? Up your chances. And. I would love to hear what your daughter would have to say about this, too. Honestly, she's probably like even a better candidate than me because she's so not only is she like so in her head sometimes, but she also articulates things so well. Yeah. So she's like the perfect candidate because she can she articulates her emotions better than anyone I've ever met. Sometimes I'm like blown away. I'm like, I wish I could say what you're saying. Yeah. So, so good at it. So what we ask all of our guests is if you had a moment to speak to our community, what type of advice would you give them? Mm. I would say befriend your shadows and your ego because anything you do in life, whether you show up as a partner, a spouse, um, in your work, the more you get to know yourself, the more you can know how to serve and show up. And the more you're able to talk to like, okay, I'm having a bad moment here and be able to articulate it the way your 13 year old daughter has done. And we can learn a lot from her. Um, and just doing that for myself, these past couple of years have really helped me be a better leader and be a better person overall to show up and be able to do the work that I do and be able to bet on myself. So I think that's great advice. I mean, it's, it, it definitely is something that everybody could work on. There's nobody that can say, Oh no, I don't need to work on that. Or I don't need to be more mindful in that way. And I think that that's great advice. Like just really be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. So where can everyone find the crowdfunding, where can everyone find AMA? What's the best way for yeah. them to find you guys? So they can go on iPhone women's website. Uh, and it is, if you Google just iPhone women, AMA, A-H-M-A, it'll pop up. Perfect. It's also linked in our Instagram handle for our link tree. There are a bunch of links out there to our crowdfunding platform, to a lot more tools. Um, and you can find me at Insight of Emily, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Insight of Emily. Perfect. So we'll link the crowdfunding site for sure in all of our show notes and everything. So if anyone's looking and they, you know, don't have, they're in a car or something and don't have a pen and paper, they can go right to the links in our show notes um, yeah. and check out the crowdfunding site. And I encourage everybody to donate because this is a, I know I've done this like a million times where I see a resource that I'm like, oh, I really like that. And then I don't, you know, purchase the resource or I don't encourage you to go forward. And then you kind of see that resource peter out. And I definitely don't want that to happen with this. So I encourage everyone to go check it out. If this is a resource that you think you could use or someone else in your family or circle could use, you know, then make a donation. It can be big or small. I know, I know from personal experience that every little bit helps um, and it makes a difference as and share it. I, that's always huge. Like share it with people yeah. that you know that Please might follow be us. Follow, like, Please follow, follow, share, share, and like, <laughs> like, share. We also have another Instagram for work called ama.seehearsmell. 
So feel free to follow us there. And our website is ama.nyc. Perfect. So we'll link everything. Well, Emily, it was really yeah. awesome having you on. I'm super pumped that we were able to connect after many, many reschedules. <laughs> so I'm super Thank excited. You. Thank what do you, you mean? We nailed that this is the first time. What, what we know, There's... Yeah, this is our first time. Nobody has an live. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And people don't forget to fill out the survey for. Oh, yeah. It will be in your show notes. I'll give you the link to it. Perfect. And we're working on trying to put it on the website. And um, yeah, there's also I forgot to mention, I'm so sorry that there are raffles. So if you can't really afford some of the bigger packages, you could put five dollars and you could get raffled off to really, really cool stuff. Wow. So, yeah, you give everybody an opportunity in any way to kind of participate and be a part of creating AMA. Yes. Really cool. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. That was awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, please make sure you share with a friend and leave a review. You can find all the resources mentioned in this episode on our Facebook or Instagram on at special about special. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.